Welcome to the Sports Rundown. I am your new host, Jet Stryer. I'm really excited to be taking over this station every day. So first, a little bit about me. I am from Boston, born and raised. So yeah, I am an obnoxious Boston sports fan. I think Mount Rushmore should be expanded to include Bill Belichick and Tom Brady's faces. And I think there should be a day of the year dedicated to David Ortiz. I work for a radio station out here in Boston as a producer and on-air personality. So basically, I live and breathe sports 24-7. That's my life. My promise to you is to give you the most interesting, important sports news of the day, every day. You may not agree with what I have to say, but that's why we have that awesome call-in feature. And with that introduction, let's get right into it. A new study from researchers at Boston University shows that 110 out of 111 brains donated by ex-NFL players have CTE. If you don't know, CTE is a degenerative brain disease caused by repeated blows to the head. Symptoms can include dizziness, headaches, and more severe things like dementia and suicidal thoughts. This is a story the NFL does not want out there. Believe me, nothing scares the league office and the NFL owners more than continued mounting evidence that playing football causes brain damage. Not Colin Kaepernick kneeling down during the National Anthem, not players beating the hell out of their wives or girlfriends, not even those excessive touchdown celebrations that they hate so much. Though every leading expert in the field of studying brain injuries is in agreement that football leads to CTE, the NFL will deny it until their last breath, because unlike Kaepernick or Ray Rice or Greg Hardy, this is something that will cost the NFL serious money. More lawsuits are coming in from the, for the NFL, and they won't be cheap. And the more stories like this that get circulated, the less kids that play football. And as popular as the NFL is today, and it's king... That's a storm it won't be able to survive. The NFL as we know it won't be around forever. And with stories like this, changes might be coming sooner than you think. Remember to favorite this station and use our call-in feature. There's nothing I like more than debating people when it comes to sports. And for those of you that agree with me, feel free to shower me with compliments. I like those too. I'm Jet Stryer, and this is your home for the best quick-hitting sports news exclusively on Anchor. Thanks for tuning in to the Sports Rundown. I'm Jet Stryer. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver spoke to C.J. McCollum from the Portland Trailblazers last month in an interview for the Players' Tribune that was just published. The sit-down interview covered a range of topics, but what I found most interesting was Silver was asked about league expansion, specifically to Seattle, and his response was the following, quote, I don't want to put a precise timeline on it, but it's inevitable. At some point, we'll start looking at growth of franchises, That's always been the case in this league. Seattle will no doubt be on a short list of cities we'll look at. End quote. I find it interesting that Silver finds expansion as inevitable. To me, it seems like the NBA is in a pretty good place in terms of having enough talent to fill the 30 teams currently in the league. In fact, I'd say the NBA would probably be better off contracting the league to 28 teams. Obviously, with the amount of money the NBA is raking in from the TV deals, that's not going to happen. But expanding teams and further diluting the product doesn't seem like the right move. There's plenty of talent right now in the NBA, but it's all concentrated on a small number of teams. The real problem is the parity of the league has maybe never been more drastic. By the time the NBA does choose to expand, the Warriors' run will likely be over, but the way the league is trending, there will likely be another two or three super teams with most of the talent. 
Expansion will only serve to make the parity of the NBA more drastic by adding talent that doesn't belong in the NBA. I'm all for basketball returning to Seattle. In fact, I have a Sean Kemp jersey that I'd really like to dust off. But it shouldn't come at the cost of the rest of the league. Do you want the NBA to expand? What cities would you add? And what NBA cities would you get rid of? Call in and comment and let me know and I'll give the results on air. Also, remember to favorite this station. This is your home for the best quick-hitting sports news exclusively on Anchor. Welcome back to the Sports Rundown. I'm your host, Jet Stryer. Last week, the New York Yankees made a big move ahead of the July 31st trade deadline in baseball. The Yanks traded for White Sox slugging third baseman Todd Frazier along with two big bullpen arms. The Yankees are hoping Frazier provides power and stability to a third base position that's given the team a little bit of trouble this season. Yankees fans got to see Frazier for the first time at home Tuesday night against the Reds. And in his first at bat in front of his new home crowd, Frazier surely wanted to make a good impression. Instead, he hit into a triple play. You heard that correct. Todd Frazier christened his Yankee home pinstripes, hitting into what was scored a 6-3-5-6 triple play. Only the second type of that particular triple play that's ever happened in Major League history. I'm sure there have been some pretty inauspicious starts in sports history, but hitting into a triple play in your first home at bat, ouch. Needless to say, it can only get better from here for Frazier. At least he can be happy that the Yankees went on to win 4-2. Any other terrible sports debuts you can remember? Call in, leave a comment, or both, and we can discuss the best of the bad. Remember to favorite this station for all the best quick-hitting sports news exclusively on Anchor. I'm Jet Stryer, and this is the Sports Rundown. Alabama head coach Nick Saban joined ESPN today, talking about the state of college football, and he had an idea for improving the sport that was music to my ears. Saban took issue with the scheduling of lesser opponents, saying, quote, We should play all teams in the Power Five conferences. I could not agree with Saban more here. I know a lot of college football fans hate the Alabama coach, but you can't say that anything Saban is saying here isn't 100% correct. If you're a college football fan, you should be clamoring for the end of games like Clemson versus the Citadel or Florida versus Northern Colorado. Having subdivision teams being cannon fodder for these Power 5 schools isn't good for the sport or the fans. And perhaps most importantly, it doesn't do anything to help determine the four teams deserving of a playoff spot. If Saban were to get his way, college football fans would get more entertaining games every year and make the playoff picture much more clear. Sorry to teams like Mercer, Youngstown State, Georgia State, and Bethune-Cookman, but I think your days of giving up 80 points in a game should be over. I'm with Saban here. How do you feel about the scheduling of college football? Let me know if you think your favorite team should play a harder schedule or if you like those cupcake opponents. Use our call-in feature and tell me. And remember to favorite this station for all the best quick-hitting sports news exclusively on Anchor. Thanks for listening to the Sports Rundown. I'm your host, Jet Stryer. You know that feeling when you lose a $100,000 piece of jewelry in a lake while on a jet ski? No? Well, Atlanta Falcons wideout Julio Jones now does. Jones lost a diamond earring worth a reported $150,000 when he fell off his jet ski on Lake Lanier in Georgia. Jones even hired a dive team to attempt to recover the earring to no avail. Just your typical day surrendering a 100 plus grand diamond to Davy Jones' locker. Jones said, quote, I'm good, it's materialistic stuff. You can always get that kind of stuff back. 
Well, maybe you can, Julio, but for those of us who can't jump several feet in the air and catch a football with one hand, we might take that loss just a little bit harder. At least we know there's going to be one fish in Lake Lanier that's the envy of all marine life. What's the worst thing you've ever lost or misplaced? I left my Game Boy in a hotel when I was younger, and I'm still not over it. Call in, comment, and let me know if you'd had any traumatic experiences like Julio Jones. Also remember to favorite this station for your best source of quick-hitting sports news exclusively on Anchor. Welcome back to the Sports Rundown. I'm Jeff Stryer. Last night, the United States men's soccer team captured the CONCACAF Gold Cup in front of their home crowd at Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara. The U.S. defeated Jamaica by a score of 2-1 on goals from Josie Altidore and Jordan Morris. Moore scored in the 89th minute of the contest, giving Team USA a dramatic win. This tournament was the first major test for head coach Bruce Arena since he returned to take over the U.S. team. While critics of Team USA will say the Gold Cup win was a result of a watered-down field, the men in red, white, and blue should feel very confident heading into World Cup qualifying in September. This team has momentum heading into qualifying and used the tournament to help figure out and solidify their roster. Pulling out a win in a championship match, in clutch fashion no less, should be applauded no matter what the competition. I think it's fair to say after this tournament, Team USA looks like it has some of its swagger back heading into World Cup qualifying and that's exactly where we as fans should want them to be. This is your home for the best quick hitting sports news exclusively on Anchor.